Hello and welcome to the Yellow Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Juliette Marhofer Duggar, and today I am so delighted because I am joined by artist and a dear friend who's also been a soul care client over the past few years. And I'm joined today by Bo Bonin. Bo, welcome to Yellow Soul today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I am too. And so let's dive in because we have so much to talk about in our dialogue today. But the first thing I want to share with our listeners is you just released your brand new EP called Tensions on November 26th. And I have had that on repeat, put quite a few of your songs on my workout playlist because I love you and I I love the vibe of all of your music so much. So I know you probably have a a favorite song that you worked on. (laughs) Oftentimes the process for artists can be so brutal. Is there one of the songs that is like your favorite on your EP? Yeah. um, My favorite out of all of them, without a doubt, is Tensions, the self-titled song. That one, it's my favorite for several reasons, but out of all of them, it is it is the most lyrically heavy. When I wrote that song, I probably wrote that song at the peak of just one of the most painful moments of my life. And mm. it just flowed out of my heart, which is why I knew like, you know, how sometimes you create a piece of artwork like we all of us are creative. We all create create art. But there are just some moments. Sometimes you just do creativity as an outlet and, you know, you're like, this is different. This is mine. Yeah. And yeah. That was it wasn't just a song that was lyrically heavy. It was like literally a piece of my story poured into music form. Um, Mm -hmm. And it also took the longest to create because of that. That one's definitely my favorite out of the entire EP. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, I, I just love it because I remember the, the, the first day that you released that, or no, it was the second day after you had released your EP and I was on, the treadmill and I was listening to it and listening to it. And I was like, come on. I know he's, he's about to give us those strong vocals. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I could hear it. It was you, like the crescendo, you know, it's like it just built and built and built. And I was like, ah, oh, there it is. I can yeah, hear it. You know, I can uh, hear it in you when you sing. If you listen to any of my music or all of my music, you will see that the what makes tensions different is it feels like for me at least the first time I've bloomed as an artist um when it came vocally so I just I remember actually we had been coaching for a while and you'd been encouraging me like Bo there's something in you and I feel it like you can you can like there is just this emotion and you're almost there but you're not doing it like it's almost there yeah and I sat let it out <laughs> yeah, I sat with that for a while and I was like what does that mean what does that mean and it was a combination of obviously tensions and everything I told you the story of how heavy it was but I needed it to yeah. mix with physicality of like a belt something just heavy and pushed so it's also my most like vocal heavy song like I really just like poured it's almost like the chorus once it crescendos right up to there it's just a cry into it and that's why I love it yeah yeah I agree and that's exactly what I felt when I I heard that point of like oh man there's the tipping point in this song because you can just hear I really can I feel like I can hear the cry of your heart of of everything that I know that you've walked through and that has been challenging and and traumatic and some really painful places in your story and how you have continued to make a choice to overcome. And it really, I mean, I just, it's an honor to hear your music and to sit in that with you, knowing your soul, knowing what you fought through to, to mold yourself and allow God to, uh, to really rewrite your story and, and, having a front row seat in that and seeing you partner with him, knowing that you weren't writing your story and rewriting your story alone, uh, that, that was, you know, you wrestled, there was, there was so much wrestling throughout the last few years of what you walked through and witnessing that has been incredible, truly. So back to tensions for just a moment, talking about the process because 
that is that to me is an incredible spiritual climb of the soul as a singer songwriter. And I, I want to hear more about that specifically. And you've said that that's your favorite and it is for a reason because the, the pain that produced this song that became so powerful in your healing journey on your way to wholeness. So what, tell us a little bit more about what that process looked like for you, the how, when, why, where, I want to know more about that. Uh, the story behind tensions was definitely in the hardest season of my life. Like if I look back at it, it's just, yeah. So it started, I had moved out at this point. Um, and where do I start? Oh my goodness. Um, it was during the time when I was living in my first house that I'd ever rented with roommates. So I'm out of my family's house. This is just, you know, I'm figuring out life. I've become an adult. This is that moment. Um, and during the peak of this season, I had lost, you know, I had lost my company. I'd been working with for years, most of my finances, um, my best friend, actually most of my like proximity friends. So it was very, very lonely as well. Um, mm -hmm. What went out the window with that was it felt like my creativity was gone. Um, even the way I wrote music, it's just, yeah. it all, to me, it felt like the world was ending. It really felt like Bo Bonin's world was ending. Um, and I think what made it all worse and crescendoed it for me was that um, the problem was I knew I was the root of the cause. Um, kind of the problem itself with the way I was, because during this season, we all go through it, but I was having an, an identity crisis. I didn't know mm -hmm. who I was anymore. Um, I started to question if I ever did know who I was. And um, I think that just stems a lot from one, we all have a desire to be accepted and known, but also, as you know, I have 10 siblings and that has been my favorite, favorite thing in the world. I have best friends. They are awesome. But being number six, so five over me, five under me, it's like I couldn't grasp my own identity because there were like enough of us where once you learned our last name, you would say, oh, you're a Bonin. And it was almost like, yeah. a, and that carried into my adulthood. I was just, oh, I'm a Bonin. I didn't have my identity. Um, and I remember in that house reaching a point of just like absolute disparity. I was like broken. Um, that was and don't worry, I'm not going to leave it on a low note. That was when Tensions was born. I remember when I say I go to the studio, it's in my closet. I built the whole studio into a closet. I remember going in there and just like, I don't know why, I just felt this surge of like something with creativity. And I was like, I need to put this on paper. I want to write this story, like this specific story I'm going through. What was weighing most on my heart was because I had lost my best friend and all my friends, I've never dealt good alone. I've had issues with being alone. Um, so then poured out tensions. Mm -hmm. It was the entire story. If you listen to it is about tensions that runs throughout all of our lives. Like we have these strings that will, if we do not take care of them, they strain and they pull and they drain us. Um, and I was tired of ignoring it. I was really tired of not like fronting it and me as a creative person the way I face things if it needs to be as brutally as possible is typically with music that's how I can be honest um and so mm. I went in there and I don't do this a lot I don't like just sit down and start writing lyrics usually it's a work in progress with music and then line by line I'm not kidding Juliet when I tell you I walked in there and just a melody hit me in the head and I went tensions running high in the backseat of my mind. And it was just there. Like there was a melody running over and over. In wow. my head. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know why it was so prominent, but I was like, okay. I mean, like if this melody is stuck, I want to put it down. And it has turned out to be, I mean, one of my favorite pieces, one of the biggest crescendos of my story. Um, Yeah. That's how tensions was born. Um. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, when I love to when you when you said just now that that melody came because I 
I look at your life with you and take a survey of where you started when I met you and, and then who you are today and knowing the steps that you took over and over. And there's an element in your story, Bo, that stands out to me that you are one of the most vulnerable people that I know in terms of having a strong desire to transform your life. And you. you would come to the table. You're welcome. I mean, you would come to the table, just bring all of the broken pieces. And, and even, even if in that moment, you didn't feel mentally fully present, we would sit. Oh yeah. You know, we I, would, I I we would sit in that and you would allow the space to. Yeah. I can't take all the credit for that. Like for sure. I did take a place of vulnerability, but like, honestly, I don't know if I've told you this enough, but it was a lot of what you did within our soul care in helping me reach a place of vulnerability that wasn't always me. I wasn't always willing mm. to share my crap. You know, um, this is one of those things I thought I had to bury Yeah, as an artist. Um, yeah. it's, I mean, being an artist is keeping up an image is keeping up. It's kind of like a brand. You, you, you are projecting something, whether it's like a story or y you know what I mean? And that point yeah. did take yeah. a long time, but I mean, I have to remind people that it wasn't just like me who had this really cool capability to be vulnerable. It took me actually having someone around like you to push that vulnerability out of me and also giving me a comfortable space to talk. And like, you were probably during those two years of loneliness, the only person I had been comfortable enough to actually talk about anything without restraint. Um, and I mean, that itself brought so much healing, even though I didn't know it was bringing healing until much later. So thank you. Oh, thank That's you. It. That's, I love that. Oh, you're so welcome. I, I really am. When I say that I'm honored to be in the lives and the stories of others, because witnessing the rewrite and, you know, I, I understand I, I fully own that. I, that that calling of facilitating the conversations and the dialogues that happen the reality is we leave that conversation together and i go on about my week and then so does my client and between the you know the one session to the next i am i am covering and crying out to to god for the heart of that person because of the pain that they're enduring. And I want you to know in my own life, the, the mentors, the coaches, the counselors that I've had around me that have been my village. I, what you're saying completely resonates with me because those people were feeling like God, they were my life preserver. I felt like in the middle of drowning and just that rescue that he brings us. And I, I really want our listeners to know that they don't have to do this journey alone. They don't have to step into the rewrite of their story alone, that the, the fear and the shame that often feels like we are just so stuck and it's that paralyzing that there are others there. Like you pray for that. I do believe. And, and hopefully this, this just creates a surge of hope in, in your heart that you don't have to do this journey alone. Like, like Bo is describing of the last two years of walking this out together. But I want to say, Bo, I showed up at those, those sessions. So did you, even if you didn't feel like it, mm -hmm. you still have to make a choice to answer that call. Oh yeah. The and, hardest thing is that you have to decide like, I couldn't decide you exactly like you couldn't decide you wanted healing enough for me to recover. Um, yes. That's the whole point of like, even like 
even out of people joining recovery for like other things. Um, even they say like the only person who's going to walk you through that door is you same yeah. for your soul, same for your spirit. Like the only person who walks you through that healing is if you can admit and be like, all right, God, like I need this healing. I want this healing. Like, yeah. So it did take a piece of that. Um, yeah, and I will so powerful. It was hard. And I think one of the things I try to share most with people about healing is like, I think the reason it is such a vicious cycle and we think we're doing good and we are, and then we are, and then we are, and then we are, and then we are, it's just like, because of how we are as humans and how fast we want to get through the hard part, how fast mm. we want it to be over. That was definitely me. And you and I had been talking for like two years and over and over, like you remember, it was a mess. <laughs> like you had a front row seat. Like you said. <laughs> um, and it took me, like I said, I'll go back to when I was in that house with those roommates. I reached that point of disparity and I was broken, empty, reached out to God. But for the first time, my question mm -hmm. was different um, rather than begging for my or situation to be fixed or made whole. I, for the first time, asked God, who do you say I am and can you make me whole? It wasn't about like, can you, can you mm. please get my friends back? Can you please fix this? Like, I've been working on the company for so long. Can you, like, I'm in debt. I need your help. Like for the first time, like once it finally shifted to, can you take care of my heart? That's when healing began. Mm. Can you make me whole, man? That is a, that is a powerful question. I, I believe that was produced from the word you just used, the desperation, but also the introspection of going through that and going through that session after session, and then reaching that point of, I have all these tools and I have access to this deep soul care journey. And then myself as an artist, who am I? And can you make me whole? You know, can you take the sting of what I've gone through? Is it true? God, is it actually true? Are you really who you say you are? Exactly. No, I think that's like, that was the biggest shift for me. Like, think about our society. Think about culture. Like, everyone's offering a healing plan. Everyone's offering, do this, mm -hmm. do this, do this, do this. And there's so much pain, not just in me, but in everyone. There are so many, like, just the yeah. world we are in is broken. Um, you know, you become an adult, you turn 19, 20, 21, 22, and you start to reach this point of like, oh my gosh, is everyone faking it? Or is like, is like, do you, do you actually reach a point where you are like, good? It, it becomes scary. Um, yeah. and like the biggest part of my story that I'm trying to share in that in my day-to-day -day life, person to person is that it is a real thing that it actually can happen because mm -hmm. when I did that with God, what felt like, like when silence followed, it really felt like nothing followed. It felt like silence followed after that prayer. And I was like, all right, God, <laughs> all right. But Where are you at? <laughs> asked, little did I know that over the next like year and a half, like, mm -hmm. even though it was just inch by inch and piece by piece and felt like nothing was happening, he was restoring and putting my heart back together. He had utilized everything that was happening in my life, even though it was super unconventional in the way I would have it. If I was God, I would have, you know, fixed my finances, made my best friends come back, you know, but yeah, right. problem is that as humans, we're so focused on the healing happening our way. And then once it starts to not go that way, we say we must not be healing. Um, and mm -hmm. I did that over and over. And it took me, it took me quite some time to realize what Jesus had in mind for me, but I can genuinely mm -hmm. say, like, I want people, like, I want that to be encouraging to hear someone say, I actually reached a point where I know my identity. Like it's yeah. doable. It's possible. Like I was so focused on my emotions and focused on how I felt all the time that I was too busy to focus on what healing is and who God calls me to be as Bo. I am to be his hands and feet in a broken world. Love where there is no love, peace where there's no peace, hope where there is no hope. Mm. And it's 
for the first time, my brain getting that and my heart connecting with it, mm. it's real. And like, I think that's the point I always land back on and stress the most to my friends and my family, like in today that it's real and that it does happen. Yeah, that's so good. And it's so encouraging. It it brings us hope to know that God tells us what he begins, that he completes, whatever that looks like to circle back something that you said a moment ago, when healing isn't going my way, we can think that then we're not healing. That's so powerful. And it's true that when we realize we are rewriting our story, a lifetime of wounds, we show up in this space of I'm desperate. And if we say that we're done, do we actually mean it? If we say we want something different, what are we willing to do to access a different narrative that for us, we've, we've lived this way for most of our lives or all of our lives. And then, like you said, uncovering who am I and who is God? I can remember in a conversation that you and I had, it's like more important than me saying, Hey, Bo, what do you believe about God? I remember asking you, Bo, what do you, what do you believe that God believes about you? Mm. And I think you said something like, Hmm, that's a good question. I remember you. (laughs) And I was like, wait a second. (laughs) I haven't (laughs) thought about that before. (laughs) Cause like often create our identities. And during that time it was, you know, you failed. You lost your money, you lost your friends, you're a failure. You know, and that was the identity. But yeah, you're right. If you focus on like, who does God say you are, it starts to kind of make you uncomfortable and think about things differently. Because I know God doesn't think of me as a failure who lost everything. And so now it starts to conflict with my flesh. And when my spirit and and soul and flesh start to conflict, I believe that's when growth starts to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that going to your word tensions. I often refer to that. It's like that tightrope. And we feel, we do feel that tension yet in that space is where I know I can just, I I just can feel it when I'm talking to someone about their soul. And then they're, they're in, in the middle of such deep pain. And I speak into that space and say, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I truly know and believe that you are also in the most powerful place and position of your life. And most of the time they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I do not feel powerful right now. How? But it's because in that space as human beings, if we can finally come to the end of ourselves and Bo asked the question that you asked, can you make me whole because I'm God. My mind is splintered. The pieces of my soul are scattered. How, how are you going to gather these pieces? And a hundred percent, 99.9% isn't enough. A hundred percent of the time, it is not going to look the way we think it's going to look, but to know, know that in the middle of that process, it's not about the gift. It's about the giver. And he longs for us to fall in love with trusting him, not just trusting the process, but, but learning what it means to trust him with the process Hmm. always, because for him, we think the end result is the goal, but for him, the process is the goal that that's his desire because in the process is where like Brendan Manning talks about in his book, Abba's Child, it's the cry of the heart for intimate belonging. That intimacy is established between us and the one who made us, the one who knows what truly makes us tick, what will excite us, what will bring us joy, is is he is moving those chess pieces around. And we're like, who's going to call checkmate? (laughs) yeah what's gonna happen you know what is gonna happen and we have such a hard time with change but the reason that that is is because as human beings we don't feel like we're in control yeah 
That is so true. I it took me so long to realize that it was the journey was important. Like I know everyone says like the journey's important. The journey's important. You learn the most on the journey. But I mean, let's just be honest. When you're in the middle of the storm, it's it's just different. You're like, okay, like I'm falling apart. It doesn't feel like, like I said before, it doesn't feel like anything's happening. It doesn't feel like it's progressing. It did. I I can't just say like I prayed and then it worked. It did take like a good 14, 15 months before I kind of looked up and I was like, okay, he's moved me here. He's brought me here. He's walking in the story. He doesn't just make a hole and fix it. The beautiful part of Jesus is that he sits with you in the suffering. And he says that I sit with you in the suffering. And Mm. when you can actually find a place of contentment with that, it's not about you anymore. And it's ultimately about Jesus and your relationship Mm. with him and how you are communing with him. And when I, for the first time, like connected that and was like, oh my goodness, I've been missing so much of you. I've been missing this peace in my heart because it belongs to you. That's when, even though it sucked and even though I was still in the middle of it, it became okay to be in the middle of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm, So good. It is so powerful. We make that connection that God is not sitting outside of the process watching us suffer. Oh, he's not waiting for it to get better. Yeah, he is. We are, we are partnering right? We're partnering with him in our journey of healing. It's, it's, it's beautiful what you just said. Well, I, I remember when you talk about desperation there was a time in your life that you had a spot that you would go to. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that spot was? Oh yeah. So there Did we is talk about that spot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's, uh, you know, obviously it's nothing magical. The spot's going to give me better places. But there was this lake I go to. Mm. Um, it's at a very beautiful park. I mean, it's just nature. You go out there, just everything about it is beautiful. But I've learned personally that a part of like my healing and regimen, that it's important to get my mind where my heart is. Because my mind can be swamped and crowded with life you know i.e debt physical stuff like that or worrying about where i'm gonna live or move or just stuff like that if i can align my mind with my heart because my heart is desiring and craving him and just getting to know him that includes doing something physical like going out to that lake and sitting by it and just for hours getting to talk with him sit with him commune with him and whether it looked like reading my word or not not having enough energy to and just laying there and him just hearing my heart like sometimes I couldn't even talk sometimes it couldn't even be like a conversation with us it was just me relying on him hearing my heart and I truly believe he does like he that's ultimately what he's listening for our hearts and having that place was very important and I always tell people like if they are on a journey of seeking healing and looking for a closer relationship with God it is very healthy to set aside a place where you feel that you are safe and that it is just between you and the Lord Um, yeah don't get me wrong it can be anywhere it could be in my room at home at work but there are some places that are special and set apart for that time Yes, totally agree. And it's, and it's so amazing to reflect when you look at your journals and to know you can, you can mentally go back and travel to that space and that time with God and that physical location to be able to reminisce. You actually are the one who got me really into the groove, but like they said, the first day picking up a pencil and pen to journals, like it feels so heavy. And it's like, this is brutal. I can't do this every day, <laughs> write a whole page. And you force yourself yeah. second day, you force yourself for a third. And I can testify to you that, that give it two or three weeks, 
and it becomes a normality that is just so easy and beautiful. But yeah, what you just said, it is something you can look back at. And it's weird that you said that because four days ago, I had collected all my journals from the last three years, sat down on the couch and just started reading. And Mm. that has... I didn't expect it to, but that like gave me a boost of confidence and a boost of like encouragement because I was like, boy, are you a mess, you know? In 20... <laughs> and bro, you have grown. <laughs> wow. Like my thought, I can literally see how I'm thinking on this paper. And it's like, I could tell which parts were wrong. I could tell where I was getting closer. I could mm. tell where I just missed it. And it was like, oh my gosh. That's why like okay. a lot of people will. I think everyone in my life knows I journal. It's not a secret. It's one of those things that like you think about, you know, I journal. It's like, I don't shut up about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, people know they, if they know me, they're like, I know what you're going to ask me. (laughs) Ask me if I've been journaling. (laughs) I know. And then, you know, six months later, they're like, Hey, so by the way, and I really want to admit this, but it changed my life. And I'm like, mm, yeah, I know. I know. Well, I, I wanted to go back to, I can remember that moment for you that shifted where you shared with me, Juliet, I, I went to the lake and I laid there and I told God, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving until you talk to me. That was, oh my goodness. One of the lowest points. Yeah, uh, I had been reaching a point where I felt like I wasn't being listened to um, or like I wasn't getting answers and he wasn't doing any healing. Like, imagine you are trying and you're journaling every day and you're like, OK, I'm, I'm working on getting closer to the Lord. But then imagine that every single day things keep getting worse, like this happens. Now this happens. Now this happens. And it's like progressively getting a little bit worse at a time. You're like, hmm, like it really does kind of get you angry. Um and that was the point I reached there. I went into the lake. I went to the lake and I was like, I will not be leaving this place until you speak with me. And oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't even remember how long I was there. I remember being so exhausted and refusing to sleep. It's one of the weirdest things being angry at God, but still understanding how much he loves me and persisting that we speak. Um and he, he did. I mean, it may not be exactly a voice that is out loud, like, you know, from the sky, like, hello, Bo, <laughs> you know, but yeah. you start to, as you work and dig into it, journal every day, read his word, you start to recognize the differences and voices within you. Yes. Um, and you recognize when it's yours and when it isn't yours. Um at first it's a little fuzzy, but it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. And yeah. I would say that was one of like the very first times in my life. I how old was I? Wasn't I like 19 at this time? Yeah, I was yeah, 19. it was that was it was a while back. Yeah. Um I just remember hearing him speak in my heart to mm-hmm. me, but the way God speaks is different it's not it's not always just words he speaks through the spirit so it is it is comfort it is peace but it is also like translatable i mean we do that we have feelings and emotions towards something and then we try to put words to it and we say i love you and we have an uprise of something it's an emotion or a wave and it's i'm angry at this we word things so can't necessarily try to put god on just words He's more than just words when he speaks with me. Yeah, Um, no, that's so good. I love that. I love that because it helps us to understand that God's fingerprints are everywhere when we choose to look for that in our lives. And, you know, what you're saying, it encourages our hearts to know that he is speaking. He is working. And that it, that he shows up in, in different ways to encourage us and to bring us hope and to know that we're seen and heard and known and loved. And I just love that you were able to posture yourself and you were persistent and stubborn. Take stubbornness on our sides. We have to, 
I mean, stubbornness is persistence. And if it's turned towards the right things, it can become beautiful. Yes. Yes. I love that. That's so good. The the persistence and the perseverance of just putting that stake in the ground and saying, I'm, I'm not moving. I'm not moving. And I believe that God responds to that. It is our faith. It is, it is looking to him and saying, this is what your scriptures say. So I know that if you're willing to do it for this person, I'm no different. Trusting the heart of God. You know, it's, it's one of those things where we can, we can look at others and believe that it's easier for us to believe that God is who he says he is and that he'll come through for us if we have a history with God, or if we grew up in an environment where God was talked about or is a part of our family history. And Bo, that's just not the case. It can, oftentimes it can repel us that he is a good God and that he is faithful and that he is for us. And so there's this assumption that if that's in our lineage or that's part of our family, that we just naturally lean into that. And things are just not always what they seem. You know, we, we all have our own, our own story and within the family that we've grown up in and whether we have history with God or not, there is a slate with him that we look and, and go, you know, before we started recording, you use the word new. He he desires to make all things new because beyond us growing up within a family, if there was God or not, we, we still discover God. We need to know who is God for us, Mm -hmm. right? Of who God is, of who Jesus is, of who the Holy spirit is and begin to uncover that. What is his truth for us? Because we, we have our own identity. Yeah, We take account for our own lives. So we come face to face with, who are you for me? I mean, wow. That's yes, exactly. Like, I love that you said that it's, you would be, no, you wouldn't be surprised. I'm sure you know how much you get like talking to someone about it. And they're just like, oh, well, like, you know, they think it's easier for you. They're like, I didn't grow up religious. Um, so that's definitely like why. And like, you hear that. And it's just like, the way I see it, it's like, we grew up in a Christian household. Um, taught about God our entire lives, but just what you said now, if it was just given to me as my relationship from my parents, just given, okay, you and God have this relationship. I would have never ended up at that lake saying, I ain't leaving until you talk to me. Like it became super hard because I had misconformed ideas about God, which were my own fault. I like, we're all human beings and we all start to create stories or scenarios about certain things. The only difference is that God had been talked about more in my life comparatively to my friend who said, oh, I didn't grow up religious at all. I can't. And like, it's just this mental block for them that they're like, they can't get to know him. They can't dive into his goodness. And it's like, yeah, I'm thinking more so for you, you get a fresh like start. You get a, just this beautiful image of him as you get to know him. Because once you start, it's personal between you and God. It's mm-hmm. like- I know your whole life, you've probably, everyone's been hurt and everyone also has been hurt by someone who claims to be like, oh, this is because God. And you're like, ah, ah, (laughs) but like what you just said, no exceptions whatsoever. It takes you personally deciding Mm -hmm. and saying, I want to know who he is and get to know him. I challenge and dare you to do it. And truly, if you don't like who he is. I don't believe you, but like, go for it. Like, get to know him yourself. See how you like him. And mm-hmm. once you do that, you'll truly understand who a father is and what it means to be loved. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, find out that you like him and he likes you. I, there's a story also in, in Brennan Manning's book and all of child where he shares, we, it's easier for us to believe that God and I'm totally paraphrasing, but easier for us to believe that God loves us, but does he like us? Do we believe that God as our father is fond of us 
we hear other human beings say, I know I have to love you, but I don't like you right now. <laughs> you know, And to know that it's just so much for us to really attempt to wrap our minds around this unconditional love that he offers because the love and to one another as human beings can be so conditional and God's love shows up without strings attached, without conditions. We're not earning his love. We're not striving. We're not performing for him to approve us or accept us. His pleasure in us doesn't rise or fall on how we perform our existence, our breath, our face that brings him pleasure. He calls us to live out our purpose and our life and it, and that's pleasing to him. And it's also because he knows the joy that we are going to experience in the journey. Bo, do you remember the, the day that you may not remember the day, but the moment that I shared with you and, and said, it will scare the hell out of you to sit with your own soul. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. And you continue to show up. And I do believe as human beings, we can, we can fear it or we can come to that place of looking at our lives and realizing that we truly want to transform and, and what we want is going to require us to, to renew our minds. And it is a, it's a day-to-day choice. That's, that is the journey that's laid out before us is that we can't afford to coast and to be able to step in into that in our lives and make a choice to renew our mind. And with that being said, I I would love to ask you this. Is there a defining moment? We talked about different, different places in your timeline over the last couple of years, but is there a moment for you that really stands out that you feel like shifted the trajectory of your life from that pain to power? Is, is there a defining moment for you? You know, it's weird. And I will say this, it wasn't some grand buildup or like a, wow, a particular day set aside that was crazy or some buildup between God and I, where my power shifted. Um, it was like, I can, I can remember, like it was after I moved to the woodlands it was a regular day like a normal day-to-day and grasping so going back to what you just said grasping that I can't say this is all like lilies and daisies and that once I figured it out I figured it out yes it is a daily thing that I have to choose daily my heart is corrupt and I have to every single morning practice putting on a refreshed mind um Mm -hmm. but after so much time of practicing and doing that no matter how much it hurt and continuing to choose um the lord and his goodness i remember i was driving um i'm working at a coffee shop right now as you know um Mm -hmm. i remember driving there it was just like in between i was driving over the lake lake woodlands bridge and something in me just like shifted and this was one of those painful days where you're like, oh my gosh, where's my life going? Yes. <laughs> in relation with him, you still have those moments. And yeah. I remember just like this wholeness poured into me. Like for it was just this weird, like unlock this wholeness poured into me that was like who I am and the way it shifted pain to power was the way I worship God. Yes, I spend my time with him and I get to know him, but it's I worship him in the way I make coffee. I worship him in the way I talk to people. I worship him in the way mm-hmm. I smile. I worship him in the way I do my work. And it, once that shifted, so much of my pain that mm-hmm. ultimately I've been causing myself shifted to this powerful momentum because like it was different. It, it wasn't about dreading talking to customers or like doing whatever life's routines were over and over it just, I don't know, everything shifted. And it was like, oh my goodness, like, let me, let me worship you in the way I make coffee just with my hands. And that's probably one of the the most defining moments for my life in my relationship with him. And Mm. it was just an obscure day that just happened while I was driving. 
And obviously, I know there had been a lot, a lot of lot reconstruction happening in my heart for the last 12, 13 months. Um, yeah. I do. I do remember that point. Mm. So fascinating. And this is what I love is that you having this moment, this epiphany with God of, oh, this is what wholeness feels like. Like we said earlier, he's not outside of the process. He's inside the process with us. We are partnering with him. And knowing that everything that that you are doing and what you're going through in the ebb and flow of your life and that has turned into for you these rhythms that have inspired you to keep tending to your mental wholeness because that has been a process and a journey for you i i would love for you to share some of those rhythms that do inspire you because i know that something you said earlier when we weren't recording is that there are things that you did at the beginning that you still do those things today because it, it keeps, it keeps you walking this out and, and keeps you strong and, and creates that mental resilience for you. What are some of those rhythms for you that you started with that you feel like have evolved and that you're still doing today? Yeah. So obviously journaling, I believe doing it daily it keeps a good mind heart connection because you can see what's happening on yeah. paper so that is a no exception rule i journal every day even if it's just like a page like one single page journal yeah. entry december 4th talk about my day how i'm feeling like putting that all down that has been a routine also staying in my word even if it's again like journaling one single chapter a day realizing that his that the bible isn't just a book and that i mean it, he even says his word is living and active it separates bone from marrow it separates soul and spirit it judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart and that's what it yeah. does for me every day it is living and active and when you dive mm -hmm. into it, it it does bag so even if it's just one chapter I, that is a routine that I have to have in place to keep my heart healthy, my soul healthy. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing would probably, probably be like, it's important to surround yourself with like-minded people. I mean, you're fast becoming who you're going to be and who you're surrounded with is who you're inevitably going to start to become like. Um, it's just how we work as human beings. So whether you find that in church or in another group of believers or whatever, I go to something called regeneration every single Monday. Um, that's been a recent progression. Um, but before that, it was making sure I went to restoration every Sunday. And even if it's one of those things where say I go in and then leave and I don't get to like talk to anyone and I don't even have like a lot of quote unquote communion, it's still important that I show up and that I do that because something about worshiping together with like-minded people vitalizes my soul. So that's my weekly journaling is my daily Bible is also my daily. Um, but those are just things that I've personally learned. I have to keep up with even today in my life right now, or if I neglect all of those things and I just start living life the way Bo Bonham wants to live, you have to understand I'm still human. I'm still a 21-year-old male. I'm going to slowly but surely, little by little, deviate. I mean, whether it's in my thought processes or my actions, I, I've noticed it before. Like I slowly start to deter from the plan he has for me and what he desires. And it's funny because the further and further I get from that, the more unhappy I get and the more joy I'm losing. Um, and so it's just, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are always setbacks. Everyone experiences setbacks. Um, yeah. It's genuinely a matter about accepting it as a setback and continuing and moving forward. If I give up at any point, I'm just like, frick this. I've been doing it for two years and I look up <laughs> yeah. for three weeks. I almost yeah. did that. It was, I think even this year, it was January, February, around April. I looked up and I noticed I had not journaled in about seven weeks. Julia, mm. I almost gave up. I like, I was just like, crap. I lost seven. What the weeks heck am I doing? Yeah. I was like, I lost seven <laughs> weeks of information. 
I, well, it was just a really hard hit that was, yeah. it, it took me emotionally and I was pretty down bad. And I, something in me was just like, wait, okay. Why do I think I'm so down bad? Why do you think you don't have a lot of joy mm-hmm. and you need to pour back into this? And it was just a matter of like, yeah, it sucked, but restarting and kicking into it. Um, yeah. I love that. Instead of sitting around beating yourself up and letting just shame settle in and, and paralyze you, you just, you're like, I gotta, I gotta crack the book open and pick up my pen and stop losing more time. And, you know, it's, it's so subtle and it's, I feel like it is, it is a slow fade oftentimes where, like you just said, you're like, what? Seven weeks. How did that happen? You know, after you've been doing, and that's, that is so powerful too, because I love, I love our listeners to hear that. So you can be, you know, we, we could often think, think, well, that's a, that's been a, that's been a rhythm in his life for a couple of years. You know, how did he stop doing that? How did it just, how did it just stop? But like you said, there, there are things that enter our story and our lives and things that happen that it, it can be an interruption. And we can either sit in that of just, you know, kind of, kind of wallow in, in the interruption or, we can begin again and know that we are continuing the process. It's like, this is not an event. It's your life. This, if this truly is a journey, this really is a journey to wholeness. Then we know that along the path of that journey, there are going to be issues and things that arise in in our lives and through relationships you know, during those seven weeks, you could reflect and look back and be able to see. And that's what's really important. Reflection, I say, is an evergreen gift that keeps on giving, because if we can reflect and instead of sitting in that space of, oh, poor me, of why, why me, instead of reframe that fear and that shame and say, yeah, why can I reflect and look back to see where I deviated? Can I reflect and look back to see was there a, that moment? Was it a slow fade? How subtle was that to where I can identify and be able to not repeat that same behavior in my life? And there's freedom. There's freedom in that because the truth sets us free. Uh, I love that. Bo, as an artist, what would you say brings you joy and inspiration? Because with tensions, how many different versions or how many mock-ups did you do of that? song so tensions was roughly like 27 different mock-ups before i got it crazy i know that's taking into like consideration most of my songs take about four to five mock-ups and i mean like each mock-up is a couple weeks like i would spend three weeks on a single mock-up with the mixing and the mastering and the deciding of how even down to how i like want to pronounce something because how with the person um so yeah four to five tensions was very heavy so it took about 27 different mock-ups what did what what did you go through mentally and physically to be able to sit through that and and i love that it's your favorite song so it's like you had you put so much into that where sometimes i know artists and i know i feel this way as an author that it was you know, sometimes you reach a point where you're like, I don't know if I ever want to see that manuscript again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's so many words you've written and you're just like, oh, by the time you get done with it, you're like here. Um, so I'm I'm curious to know, even in we could isolate it to the journey of, of writing and singing tensions and knowing that it was these 27 different versions what continue to inspire you and bring you joy to breathe life into you to continue moving forward and pressing in? I don't want to paint like an entirely wrong image. Don't get me wrong. Between 27 different mock-ups, it wasn't always all spectacular. (laughs) It wasn't all like every single time is amazing. But the majority of it was the way I draw inspiration is, I mean, First, the basics, listening to my favorite artists, how they pour their hearts out and other people, because it's not just our stories, a part of life and going through is listening to other people's stories. We have Mm -hmm. to learn to listen just as much as we have to learn to talk. Um, So I pull surprisingly like an ample amount of inspiration 
just by diving into other artists and listening to them and learning their stories. And that makes me want to get better at teaching, telling my story or the way I articulate it alongside just going to the Lord before him and asking that he pours into me every day and refreshes my mind. That plays a huge part into my creativity. Um, Yeah. I mean, it sounds stupid, simple, but you simply do have to ask when you are talking with him and getting to know him. Like sometimes you look up and realize when's the last time I've just said, God, can you help me with my creativity? Will you give me a burst? Like I'd realize sometimes I hadn't reached out or asked for that in such a long time. Um, and it's almost a day and night difference for me when I do that before him. Um, and when I ask him, uh, but sometimes on the very, very hard moments, cause there were 27 mock-ups. Sometimes it took just like feeling sick about it and being like, I can't do this. And then sitting down, getting started and forcing myself. And then as I started doing it piece by piece, realizing, oh, I love this. What am I talking about? I love this. Song. Oh, I could change this. This would sound a little better. And then all of a sudden I'm into it. I'm six feet deep and four hours in. Um, mm. That's That goes both ways. It's not just tensions, music, and lyrically writing. That also goes into what I previously talked about journaling bible sometimes in the hardest moments you draw joy and inspiration by going against your flesh and Mm. it will bring out more joy and inspiration than you had previously because what goes down must come up yeah Mm, that's so good yeah what happens when you get frustrated what do you what do you do with that frustration like when you're when you're writing you're singing and and writing and you hit that point of frustration, what, what's something that you do to kind of shake that off and be able to, to, to break out of that so that you can create again? I know everyone has their own ways and it's different. Mine is one of two things going for drives, just because something about car drives just really soothes me, calms my heart, helps me flow again. But if I, with tensions, a lot of the time, what would happen is after about three to four hours, if I reached a point, I would take a step back, appreciate it and remember what I'm doing. Like sometimes you get too close, like you get really, really, really close to the painting and you can't see the whole image. Sometimes I'd have to step back and remind myself what I was making and why I was making it and then turn it off and wait 24 hours. And within that 24 hours, it would rejuvenate and Like I would listen to it. I would play it in the car, like just getting to know the art rather than just like trying to push myself deeper just because it started to get harder. Like I want people to understand sometimes it's okay to step back, breathe and say, let me look at this again. Is this Mm. going where I want it to go? Or is it starting to get really stressful and hard because I'm trying to create something for other people? Yeah, man, that's so good. And on a couple of your songs, or I, I know at least on one, uh, you have someone else on there with you, um, mm-hmm. a Austin. female vocalist, right? Yes. She is very, very talented. Her name is McKenna Ostrom. Which song is that that she's on? That one is on Satire Highs. Um, okay. that song just for a little background envelops. I don't think a lot of people caught it from some of the comments, but, um, that song is Satire Highs is if you listen to the album in order, it's telling a story. It's almost like going through certain emotions. And when it gets there with her, that song at first, when you're listening, sounds super like, Ooh, I'm the best. Like it's super cocky and like, Oh, you wish you were me. But if you actually focus into the lyrics and how the song is, it's really about a point we all reach in life at some point. Some people are later than others, but almost like a delusionment of just like, I'm great. I'm amazing. I'm great. I'm amazing. It's like slapping a bandaid on. It's like everyone knows me. Daydreams and iced tea. Like it's just snapping into a point. And it only lasts for so long. That's the problem. I don't know why, but Kenna Ostrom, Mm. I knew it fit her. And so I went up to Dallas and we did a few demos and I was like, this is it. Like belongs with you. So I featured her on with that. Her voice is, is dynamic and it matches yours so well. I just felt like it's, yeah, it's, amazing so good i love your album but for people that don't know the difference between an album and an ep that it's that it's actually an ep um Mm -hmm. although like you said earlier off record that sometimes you say album so tell for our listeners 
what the difference between EP and an album is the yeah. amount of songs, right? That's on Typically when like the majority of people ask, I just say album because people will see an artist release a collection of songs and be like his first album or whatever. But yeah. EP is an extended play. So a project you've worked on worked on that is like four to six songs. Um, and then an album is typically seven to 10 songs. I mean, it can be more. You've seen 18, 19 track albums. Look at Taylor Swift. Um, yeah. <laughs> I could never do that. Don't ask me to ever do that. But it is an extended play because it is five songs. Um, so I typically just, it is an EP, but I'll say album when someone's asking just so that they immediately catch on to what I'm talking about and referring to. Yeah. So they'll understand your artist lingo, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so good. The language. I say that a lot at work, but I'm releasing an EP. And someone was trying to be like, EP, what's an EP? <laughs> I was like, yeah, doing this. Like, what does that even mean? Right. What does yeah. that even look like? But yeah. It's but not- we've talked about a lot of different areas in your life and your journey. And thank you deeply from my heart to yours, what you've shared today and what you have brought to the table to be able to inspire and encourage for those that feel frustrated and disheartened and want to give up on their faith or they don't have faith. They want to give up on themselves. They're at the end of their rope and you have provided us with so much insight into your own journey and what that looked like for you and, and the ways that you were able to draw upon your tools. And you're telling me, Hey, this is, this is the work that I've done. And yes, that I've been so honored to, to be in that space with you and to come alongside you and and partner with you in your journey to wholeness. What are some words that you have to share with our listeners in the last few minutes together in their their mental struggles and in areas that they just feel so absolutely stuck. They just feel like they can't overcome. What are some words of hope that you would, that you would like to share that have helped you in your own journey? Yeah. I really just, and I do this day to day, I stress it to people. It's what you find impossible. And a lot of people do find it impossible is healing. Yeah. It's a lot closer than you think. Um, for the person who is in a place of absolute desperation or brokenness, healing is so much closer than you think. Um, it's just we sometimes can't see it when we're in the storm, like you said. Um, as you grow, my desire for everyone who listens to this truly is to understand and get to know their creator who he knows the insides and out of them, how they think, how their hearts are, how their minds are, the process. And I have to encourage everyone. I promise you will not be wasting your time. If you give him, if you just try this for a month, if you give your heart truly, I mean, forget about yourself and truly get to know him. You will learn more about yourself than you've ever learned. Um, and this isn't this is firsthand experience for me um and i've seen it over and over and over it's something that i've never seen fail and so as long as i live i'm going to keep telling people that jesus is the way pour into him i promise he desires to know you wholeheartedly Mm. so good though thank you so much and the question that you gave us in the middle of your share today. And that is your cry to God, can you make me whole? And so powerful when we present that question to our our maker, to be able to say, can you make me whole? Is Is this possible? And to know that God promises when we draw near to him, he will draw near to us, that Jesus says he'll never leave us that he will never forsake us and that God sees you today. And Bo, I want to say thank you again. I love you. You're so dear to me. And I'm honored that you said yes today. I knew that you would just crush this. (laughs) I'm so 
so honored. I knew it. I knew you'd bring it. I knew you'd bring me the goods. You'd bring us the goods today. When you asked, I was so honored. So thank you for having me. This really means so much. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's it's been it's been amazing and such a delight to have you. So, and thank you to our listeners. This wouldn't be Yellow Soul without you. Bo and I want to say thank you for tuning in today. And we hope that this may be the best part of your day, that you gain some joy and clarity and peace along the way. So, Bo, please tell our listeners where they can follow you and connect with you and also how to access your new EP Tensions. Yeah. Um, so it's just the same name across the entire platform, Bo, B-E-A-U, Bonin, B-O-N-I-N. Um, if you find me on Instagram, that will connect you everywhere to Apple Music, Spotify, um, the music I share. I see Instagram is more like a hub to get to the places you need. So if you just make it there, you will find really anything you need compatible with your device. And Bo, you have a seat at this table. You're welcome back anytime. I think we said maybe there's a 2.0 in the future. There Bring might us- have to be. <laughs> <laughs> bring us some more music and some, and some more goods. We'll hear about some more of your your uh, moments, your paramount moments with God. Well, thank you again. And friends, until next time, Bo and I say cheers. Thank you. Bye, y'all.